Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest, Sunday, October the 30th, 2022, kickoff 2pm. The contents, captain's notes, around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature, Fabio Vieira, community voice, limit detail, academy young gun, women, visitors, Nottingham Forest, inside job, around the academy. Match action, PSV Eindhoven. Match action, Southampton. And teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes. We played against Nottingham Forest last season when they were in the Championship and they knocked us out of the FA Cup, so we know to expect a big test today. I didn't manage to watch their game against Liverpool last weekend. We were training at the time, but of course it's a great result for them and tells us what we have to be ready for today. We know they have a lot of quality players. They've changed a lot since we played that game in the FA Cup, bringing in a lot of signings, so I expect it to be a very different team to the one we faced in January. It looks like they've added a lot of individual quality to what they already had, and like every team in the Premier League, they have shown that they can beat anybody. I played the whole of that FA Cup game last season away at Forest, and I was very impressed with them that day, so if they have improved even more since then, then for sure they will be a difficult test today. They will be highly motivated coming to the Emirates today, with the confidence of their result last weekend as well. It's up to us to get back to winning ways in the league. We've only got a couple of weeks now until the Premier League breaks for the World Cup, so it's a very unusual season for everyone. I think it's natural that you work towards that first break as being the first part of the season. It's split in two, so our first target is that break, and of course our target is to still be top when the World Cup is on. You have to just focus on the next game, otherwise you get caught out, but we can see it as a challenge for us to stay in top position. Everyone has that in mind a little bit, I'm sure, and it's a good target for us. Today's match is the ninth we've played this month, so this has been one of the busiest I can remember playing, 
certainly at this stage of the year. When I was playing in the Netherlands, we had the playoffs at the end of the season when we play a lot of games, which was similar. But during the normal season, I think this has been the heaviest schedule. But I don't think that's having any effect on the players and the squad. We've rotated a lot for the European games and everyone is feeling good. I feel like we are fresh. Certainly nobody is complaining about anything in the dressing room. Speaking for myself, I always feel better when I play more anyway. We're a young team as well, so that's in our favour. It's a bit easier for young players to recover, so no complaints. We're all looking forward to the games and dealing with them in a good way. Also, we want to put things right today, because we couldn't do enough to get the win last Sunday against Southampton. It was a frustrating day for us in the end. We had a lot of chances in the first half to basically kill the game off, and in the second half as well we had some opportunities to get the second goal. The game changed for us in the second half though, and we didn't manage to play well enough to get the win, so of course it was disappointing for us. I felt like it was a game we could have won. We just weren't clinical enough over the 90 minutes. We had the chances to score, we know that, and if you don't manage that, then you don't get the points. We have to improve that area. Killing games when you're on top of the opposition. It's not just the Southampton game either. In the last few games before that, we just won 1-0. So being more ruthless and taking the most out of each game is an area where we know we need to get better. Late on, we thought we had got the winner when KT cut the ball back for me to score. At the time, I didn't realise it had gone out of play, but it was the right decision when I saw it back, so there's nothing we can do about that. It was really annoying. But at the same time, I think it shows where we are at the moment that we are so disappointed after going away in the Premier League and only returning with a draw. We've moved on and improved, and when you're top of the table, a draw feels like a loss. That shows where we are now. We're ahead of where we were last season, and our desire and mentality is that we want to win every game. After the game, you could sense that in the dressing room. We've come a long way as a group, and we want to keep going. Everyone felt bad after the Southampton game, but the important thing is to learn from it, move on, and make sure we put those things right today against Forest. This is our last league game here at the Emirates until after Christmas, and we have a lot of confidence playing here. We've won all of our home games so far this season, and the atmosphere has definitely played a big part in that. In all the games so far, we've felt this extra belief, playing in front of our own supporters, and when you have that feeling... It helps us a lot to play our game how we want to. Thanks for your support, and we'd love to feel that togetherness and another great atmosphere again today. Around Arsenal. Landmarks ahead. This could be a big day for both Granite Xhaka and Emirates Stadium itself, as both stand on the verge of reaching significant milestones. If our inspirational Swiss midfielder plays this afternoon, it will be his 200th Premier League appearance for the club. Of his 199 appearances, he has had 191 starts and 8 substitute appearances. Granite has scored 13 league goals and contributed 20 assists since joining us from Borussia Mönchengladbach in 2016 and he will become only the 17th player to reach a double century in the Premier League for Arsenal. Next up, we never want to tempt fate, but if we win this afternoon, it will be our 300th victory at Emirates Stadium 
since we beat Dinamo Zagreb 2-1 on August 23, 2006. Freddy Lundberg and Mathieu Flamini got the goals that day. Our 100th win came against Udinese in August 2011, thanks to a Theo Walcott goal, while the 200th was a 5-0 thumping of Lincoln City in the FA Cup in March 2017. Overall, the Gunners have played 448 games here, drawing 84 and losing 65. Newcastle United are the club with the most defeats here, with 15, followed by Tottenham Hotspur and West Ham United on 13. Welcome Jamal. This weekend, football supports Rainbow Laces, the Stonewall campaign to increase inclusivity for the LGBTQ plus community in sport. And we would like to extend a warm welcome to Jamal Howlett Mundell this afternoon. Footballer Jamal, who now plays for Ramsgate in the Isthmian League, hit the headlines for the right reasons when, in July 2021, he came out as bisexual. It was a brave move that drew support from his then teammates at Sheppey United and from figures within the sport. Unfortunately, less than a fortnight later, the headlines were very different. Jamal was subjected to homophobic abuse by a Tower Hamlets player who was later charged. Being part of the Rainbow Laces campaign here shows how much progress I have made during my journey, says Jamal. A year and a half ago, I wouldn't have imagined I would have the opportunity to support such an amazing campaign at a beautiful stadium like the Emirates. Jamal came through the youth system at Crystal Palace, so has actually faced the Gunners in the past. Arsenal were one of the toughest teams to play against. They were always very organised, even at a young age. Campaigns such as Rainbow Laces are extremely important throughout the footballing pyramid, he adds. This year's theme is Inclusion Has No Off-Season, and rightly so. Support for the LGBT plus community should be a year-round thing, and Stonewall are doing an excellent job in making that the case. He recently joined the newly launched GBTQ Plus Professionals in Football Collective. The discussions we have are always thought-provoking and inspiring, he says. When anyone does something positive, we're all there to congratulate each other, and when somebody has unfortunately had a negative experience, we will let them know that they are loved and appreciated. Finally, Jamal has some advice for anyone who may be going through what he went through in his younger days. Take your time in understanding what being your authentic self means to you. I've found that speaking openly with those that are closest to me has given me the freedom to branch out and be more expressive in other areas of my life. But it has not been an overnight increase in confidence, so be patient. Ref Watch Today's referee is Simon Hooper from Swindon. The 40-year-old was promoted to the select group of referees in 2018 and this afternoon will actually be the first time Mr Hooper has taken charge of an Arsenal match. Despite being a relative newcomer to the Premier League, he has officiated in some big games this season, notably Manchester United's recent 2-0 win over Tottenham and Aston Villa's 1-1 draw with Manchester City in early September. He has handed out just 13 yellow cards in eight Premier League appearances so far in 2022-23 and no red cards. Paul Davis in person. Fresh from his appearance at the Black London event this week, 
Paul Davis will be at the Armoury after the final whistle to sign copies of his book, Arsenal and After. It's a brilliant read from a fantastic footballer, so head over if you can and get your copy signed. Stepping back in time. We want to give a shout out today to Paul Lewis, who has been a supporter for more than 50 years and who sent us two photos this week. The first is of his well-thumbed matchday programme from when Arsenal hosted Nottingham Forest in 1995-96. He tells us, The other photo is of me in the denim jacket out in Paris. I thought it might be nice if you could print the photo to bring back some memories of that night. Your wish is our command, Paul. Enjoy the game. More NMR shirts for young role models. The No More Red initiative launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference. This afternoon, Iggy and Christopher will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red shirts. Iggy Graves has been a Kicks participant for the past year and has already brought a huge amount of personality and support for his peers. Iggy is a popular, motivated and high-energy participant but has on many occasions shown empathy to his teammates and also worked hard to integrate new members at any opportunity. Iggy has also worked hard to be involved in community tournament opportunities including representing the club in tournaments hosted by Manchester United and Norwich City. Christopher Jackson has been taking part in Arsenal in the Community programmes for nearly 10 years and, as a massive Arsenal fan, has always represented the values of the club. Supportive of teammates, helpful towards coaches and always keen to take part in extra opportunities, Chris is highly valued by all who attend his kick session. Chris has represented the community at many venues over the years and always been competitive while showing excellent sportsmanship. Black Arsenal at the Barbican This week, UCL's Professor Paul Gilroy and Dr Clive Nawonka delivered an insightful and engaging discussion at the Barbican Centre on our club's relationship to Black Britain and Black London. The pair shared their discoveries on the cultural contributions made by our black supporting icons and how their impact often transcended sport, especially during the 1980s and 1990s. The Rowcastle family and Arsenal legend Paul Davis were among the audience and Paul gave his endorsement of Dr Nwonka and Professor Gilroy's work. Towards the end of the discussion, Paul was given a warm round of applause before telling the audience of his pride at having the opportunity to play for Arsenal and influence a generation of black Arsenal fans. It was recently announced that the Black Arsenal Project would serve as the basis for a book, which will be published in autumn 2024. Black Arsenal will see Nwonka and Barbican curator Matthew Harler team up to edit a photographic celebration of Arsenal FC's extraordinary place in black British social history. Meet the mascot. Today's mascot is James, age 7 from Belfast in Northern Ireland. His favourite players are Bukeo Saka, Gabriel Jesus and Aaron Ramsdale and he loves coming to matches with his dad Niall. We hope you enjoy your day, James. 
Iceland celebrate 40 years. Arsenal Iceland have a large delegation of supporters here today, celebrating 40 years of existence. They told us, On a beautiful day in Iceland, October 25, 1982, Arsenal Iceland was founded by two friends in Selfoss. So the club is 40 years old now. The club has not changed a lot since then. The main aim is to help members to go see Arsenal play. We have members attending every home game, and two to four times a season, we take a big group to a game. Today we have 1,323 members, and we are hoping to smash the 1,500 barrier for the first time. Today we have 128 celebrating the anniversary at the match, and tomorrow we will have a dinner at club level with Nigel Winterburn as guest of honour. A big shout out to all Gunas around the world from Siggy, Hilmar, Kartian, Kiddy and Toggy, board members of Arsenal Iceland. Notice board, totaliser, £240. Happy 100th birthday, David Hall, a season ticket holder in Block 7, attending Highbury and Emirates for over 70 years. Love from all your family and friends. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 80th birthday, Pam Ashman. Pam has been coming to Arsenal for over 50 years and is still going strong. Love, Lisa. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Hello, Mark Willis from Portadown, Northern Ireland. Here on his stag weekend, hoping to see a home win. All the best for the upcoming big day. Happy 30th birthday, Alana. Have a fantastic day celebrating. C-O-Y-G. Happy 5th birthday, Theo. Love Daddy, Mummy and Mika. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy birthday, Felipe. Welcome to North London. May your future always be red. Happy 11th birthday, Harry Donaldson. Welcome to your first Arsenal Premiership football match. Let's hope for yet another win. Happy birthday, Trevor Gardner and Ethan Dietrich. Hope you have, stroke, had a great time. Happy 60th birthday, Nana. Love Cameron, Amber and Hector. Happy birthday, Zach. Have the best day. Love you, Sammy. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Zachy, enjoy your first ever game. The first of many. Come on, you gunners. Love mum, dad and Sammer. Happy 60th birthday, dad. Love Jill, Jonathan, Matthew, Rebecca, Emily and Camille. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Congratulations on your wedding day, James and Katie, on November 4th, 2022. With love, mum. Kiss, kiss, kiss. To a massive Arsenal fan, James Gleeson from Moyglass. Hope you enjoy the match. Love, Oifi. Happy 19th birthday, Lewis. Hope you have a great day. Love, mum and dad. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Congratulations, Danny and Ellie, on your engagement. Love from all the family. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy birthday, Nige Hammersley. Wishing you a wonderful 40th birthday. Love, Han. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Congratulations to Steve Stokes and Steph Stevenson. Married yesterday. Arsenal remembers. Lawrence Slater, November 5th, 1966 to September 4th, 2022. Born in Edinburgh, Scotland, Lawrence with the rest of his family moved to Islington. It was then he fell in love with Arsenal Football Club, a fan through thick and thin. Fred Gilmore passed away peacefully on September 23, 2022, aged 84. 
always in the hearts of Costa Blanca Gunas. Janella Nelson passed away September 19, 2022. A season ticket holder, passionate fan and neighbour of Emirates. Janella loved Arsenal and is sorely missed by all who were lucky enough to know and love her. A star that shone brightly has gone too soon. R.I.P. Janella. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Alan Ward. Pops. 1940-2022. Our Guna. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs FC Zurich. Europa League. Thursday, November 3rd. Kick-off 8pm. Cat EL4. Tickets are on sale to Silver, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members via Ticket Exchange. Arsenal vs Brighton and Hove Albion. Carabao Cup. Wednesday, November 9th. Kick-off 7.45pm. Tickets are on sale to friends and family via the Ticket Fast Print at Home Facility. Members will be able to purchase up to four tickets on each membership. Booking fees apply. Away tickets. Chelsea vs Arsenal. Premier League. Sunday, November 6th. Kick-off 12pm. Stamford Bridge. This fixture sold out to all Platinum, Gold and Current Travel Club member 25 plus away points. Wolves vs Arsenal. Premier League. Saturday, November 12th. Kick-off 7.45pm. Molyneux. Tickets are currently on sale to all current Platinum, Gold and Travel Club members with 30 plus away points. Subject to availability. Sustainability. The need to weed. With more than 20,000 trees now planted in our arsenal forest in Bore, Kenya, the benefits to the local population are numerous, employing more than 70,000 people on the project. Apart from the two full-time security guards and the many women needed to propagate the neem seedlings, the planting site requires weeding up to three times a year, employing an army of local people to take on the task. Weeding might not be most gardeners' favourite job, but when it's providing much-needed employment, it is relished by the people of Bore. As we've said many times, planting trees on the equator guarantees rapid all-year-round growth. But it's exactly the same for the weeds, which also flourish on the 37-acre site, creating lots of work and doubtless a few sawbacks too. Five-star service For the record crowd of gooners who enjoyed Arsenal women's victory over our North London rivals back at the end of September, you may have noticed a new addition to the concourses. It was on that momentous and historic day that we were proud to unveil five new water dispensers on level 0 and 3, supplying fresh filtered water to our supporters. We have even added one to the away end for the visiting fans to enjoy. Since that game, these machines have already helped to remove 1,590 single-use plastic bottles from the waste of Emirates Stadium. On top of the water dispensers for fan use, we were also able to install a machine in the Arsenal team changing room to keep all our players fully hydrated through matches. These machines further help us to move away from the single-use plastic water bottle that has become so entrenched in our lives. 
The training ground at London Colney has also installed many mains-fed water dispensers to help the players and coaches stay hydrated, whilst not adding to the 7.7 billion single-use water bottles that are used in the UK every year, or 481 billion used globally. Our under-16 team used their reusable water bottles whilst on our sustainable tour last season and continue to use them around the training ground. Throughout the academy at Hale End, the young players refill water bottles for use during practice and matches, whilst several water dispensers are also available for family and friends to refill. Grow your own Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. More than 19,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5-acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code on the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Net Zero Heroes Every programme we hear how a member of the Arsenal women's squad is thinking about sustainability. This issue we hear from a player who has scored the small matter of 120 goals in 151 games for the Gunners, recycling the careers of many a defender. And Viv Miedema's outlook on sustainability is very much informed by her upbringing in Holland. I grew up in Hochveen in the Netherlands, and as people will know, we have a very big recycling culture in our country, and I definitely embrace that. I don't really drive, to be honest, choosing to cycle whenever it is possible to do so. It's obviously much better for the climate, and it's also a simple way of keeping fit too. 10 out of 10 for our Dutch number 11, peddling a very good attitude to travel that we can all learn from. What do you do? Whether your match day is at the Emirates, going to every away game, watching at your local pub or waking up on the other side of the world in the middle of the night and stumbling down to your sofa, we want to hear how you've made match day more sustainable. If we feature your story in the programme, we will plant 25 trees in our Arsenal forest for you, with a certificate and GPS of your little bit of Arsenal in Africa. We were contacted by David Gibbons from our Gloucester Supporters Branch, who told us about the fantastic efforts they are making to be more sustainable. We now issue an annual e-membership card – this reduces the environmental impact of the paper and plastic versions. Our branch includes members from Gloucestershire and the surrounding counties into the southwest. All members receive a supporter's guide with a strong message to encourage the use of lift sharing and public transport. Our social media platforms are used to reinforce this message. And we are shortly due to launch an initiative where members swap books – Arsenal-related, and donate excess scar hats and memorabilia to be given to young local fans. 
That's fantastic, David, and we love the idea of upcycling all the old books and merchandise. What a brilliant example to other clubs. We hope you enjoy having a little bit of Gloucestershire in Kenya. Player feature. Player feature. Inspirational Fabio Vieira. We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Our young Portuguese playmaker on the people who inspire him and drive him on to set the highest standards for himself as he makes his way in the game. There are two sides to Fabio Vieira. On the pitch, he has all the silky skills that we so readily associate with the best Portuguese players, but he also has a hard edge that belies his shy smile and seemingly reserved demeanour. Off the pitch too, he has his contradictions. He admits that he was something of a rebel at school, paying less attention than he might have during lessons while waiting for lunchtime or home time to play football. Yet his biggest inspiration in life? Could it be Cristiano Ronaldo, or one of the great Portuguese players from the previous generation? Luis Figo, perhaps, or the sublime playmaker Rui Costa? Or maybe it's Eusebio, from even further back in the mists of time. No, none of the above. My mum, he says with an impish smile, I have always been a mummy's boy. My mum has always been my biggest supporter, a warrior and a fighter. There's that hard edge again. It runs in the family. My mum and my dad were both an inspiration to me when I was a child, he adds. Since a young age, I've been crazy for football. And from the moment my dad saw I really liked football, he decided to sign me up to my local team. From then onwards, I started developing as a footballer, and for that I need to thank my dad a lot, as he is one of the reasons I am here today. Don't confuse that slight rebellious streak. I was a crazy kid, he told Sky Sports last week, with arrogance. The 22-year-old believes his family have given him strong foundations for life, and the career he has pursued since childhood. I have always been super humble, he says. I like spending time with my family. I don't really recall going out in the evening. I had no time for that because I started playing football at a young age. Despite that passion, and the fact that playing or daydreaming about football occupied his every waking hour, Fabio didn't have ambitions to play professionally until he was close enough to touch it. At the start, I was just a kid and just wanted to have fun and play football with my friends, he recalls. I never thought it could be something so serious, but from the moment I started to grow and develop and signed for Porto, I knew that the responsibilities were different. From then on, everything became very serious, and thankfully I have managed to make it and be here today. With an ever-increasing focus on mental health in and out of sport, it's significant how many footballers are admitting that there have been times when they have struggled with the game. Fabio is no different. There was a phase, he says. It wasn't necessarily that I did not want to play football, but I did question if I wanted to be a footballer. Am I here for a particular reason? Is it going to work out? This was when I was 14 years old at Porto where I wasn't really playing much and my body type didn't also help me. However, I started to develop in other areas and worked on my intelligence on the pitch. Once he began to progress through the age groups, 
There was one coach in particular who the youngster found had an inspirational effect on him. Yes, Mario Silva, he says. Silva was a local-born left-back who had himself spent three years at the club from 2001 to 2004, acting as understudy to Nuno Valente during the years in which Jose Mourinho led Porto to the UEFA Cup in 2003, Champions League a year later, and successive league titles. As a coach, Silva has had a nomadic career, but he did lead Porto's under-19s to the UEFA Youth League in 2019, a competition in which Fabio featured nine times and scored the 3-1 win over Chelsea in the final. Mario really interacted well, Fabio reflects. He understood the players and he brought the best out of me. It was great to see him working and he really helped me develop to a level I have never been at before. Progress from that point on was rapid, with Fabio playing initially for Porto B before making his debut for the first team in June 2020. The playmaker identifies one particular moment from his blossoming career that sticks in his head, as it does for so many young players who get the opportunity to start their careers with their childhood clubs. My first goal for Porto at the Dragao, he says. It came against Olympiacos in a Champions League group game, which he started, in October 2020. This was my dream since I was a kid. I started playing for Porto when I was eight, and I only left at the start of this season, so I spent 15 years representing Porto. It was a dream come true, scoring for Porto at the Dragao. For all that, Arsenal were a club that inspired Fabio when we came calling. It is a club that I identify myself with. It is one of the biggest clubs in England, and everyone knows it, he says. There have always been world-class players who have played for Arsenal, and when I saw the project and how I would fit into the project, it was a no-brainer to join Arsenal. It's safe to say that the club is living up to his expectations, on and off the pitch, although he shows he has great maturity by refusing to rush or get ahead of himself. This, of course, is a process, says Fabio. I'm slowly integrating myself into a new country, a new culture, different weather. Everything is running smoothly. We are currently first, and we are having a great season so far, and we have to carry on working in the same way. It's natural that a club's hierarchy, in this case Edu and Mikel Arteta, and teammates help a player to settle in, especially when they are young and living away from their home country for the first time but the supporters have a role to play as well. Arsenal's fan base have been quick to take Vieira to their heart. They have been fantastic. Since I arrived, I have always felt their support and I even have my own song already, he says. This makes you happy that you are recognised and you have the support from them. Whether we're home or away, they are always there and it is an extra motivation for us. It's been like that in all the games. In the Premier League, the fans are very passionate, the stadiums are always full, and our fans are the best. We have heard already about how his parents were a huge inspiration, but of course any young footballer will be influenced by the players they grow up watching, and Fabio is no different. His two favourite players will perhaps come as no surprise, but they do give an indication of how high the youngster sets the bar for himself. The two biggest influences for me are Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Ronaldo, not because he is Portuguese, but he is really someone who really inspires others with his work ethic, how he had to leave his family and his comfort zone to sign for sporting 
and for him to build the career that he has built inspires everyone. Messi is more to do with my style of play. I am similar to Messi, and I appreciate the way that he plays. I have met Ronaldo, he adds. I met him with the national team as we would both be at the gym, and again recently in our game at Manchester United. He would always provide support and give advice to young players. It helps when players are inspired by a teammate, and in Fabio's case, there is good news for the spirit around the club because he says all of them fire him up. I think we have a very strong group here. We all get along very well, and we are united. Everyone likes to spend time with each other, and I think that is a key point in a football team. We all inspire each other. It helps that Fabio is naturally calm, despite what he says about being a crazy kid at school. I find it quite natural to play, as it is just a football game, he says. Only twice I was nervous before a game. It was my first game in the Champions League for Porto against Manchester City at the Etihad, when there were no fans, and also my first game against Benfica for Porto. Finally, there is one last inspiration that the young player will always take with him. My granddad, who has passed away but was someone who was very important in my life. He followed me everywhere I would go and he really liked watching me play at the Dragao. We have no doubt he, like us, would love watching you at the Emirates too, Fabio. Community Voice Project Premier League Kicks Established 2006 Participants and starting 230 plus Weekly participants 300 Sessions Monday to Saturday Available to boys and girls aged 8 to 18 years More info at Ashley King Email aking at arsenal.co.uk Ben, 15, and from Hackney, is taking part in the Premier League Kicks and Rocky 7 programmes and is delighted that these have given him a pathway into a coaching career. I first heard about the Evelyn Court session from my older brother. He started doing it first and I wanted to play football so I got to see in advance how I would be taking part. My life felt good at the time with no real life challenges. I was still young when I joined. I was enjoying the social element and meeting people outside of my friendship circle. The first time I went I felt very comfortable. I was introduced to everyone at the start and the coaches told me about all the opportunities that surround the football sessions. I felt good and happy to be there. I've taken part in a few events run by the Arsenal such as the club's Rocky 7 project, a way to highlight David Rocastle's legacy. I've been taking part in, and winning, local and regional football tournaments and getting the chance to attend Arsenal matches. I've made good friendships with the other participants, but even more so with the coaches. I've been selected for coaching opportunities that support our younger players at Evelyn. And it's important that they have role models. The staff I've worked with have been helpful with my career pathway, explaining progression routes and the next steps to achieve these. Being part of the project has given me more energy and more focus on getting into football coaching. 
If I were to name three skills I've developed from attending the Evelyn Court sessions, they would be kindness, time and trust. These overlap into my personal life too, because it's clear I've been able to put more trust into so many different people around me. I think it's the opportunities given to me that have surprised me the most. I didn't think attending a football session would allow for the opportunities that I have received away from the pitch, especially in coaching and gaining football qualifications. Being part of Arsenal means a lot to me personally, especially because I support Arsenal and live locally. When I talk about working with Arsenal, it excites me. I would definitely recommend our sessions to others. Give it a try, and we will support you through those first sessions. I would say the project has had a big effect on me personally. It has given me more time to get to know people, it has put me in a safe environment, and it has given me opportunities with careers and a pathway in life. The two photographs in the print version of the programme have the captions, in the main photograph, Ben is proud to be a gunner, and even more proud to feel part of the club he supports. And the smaller photograph, Ben is also aware that he is now a role model to other youngsters he meets via the club's projects. Minute Detail since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Today, we're looking at four more, starting with a quintessential Thierry Henry free kick. Thierry Henry, Derby County, nil 2 to Arsenal. September 29th, 2001. AFCPL, goals in 21st, minute 28. The ball was positioned just on the D outside the area for a free kick. Thierry Henry standing over it. You know what happens next. With barely a one-step run-up, the striker placed his shot over the wall and into the top right-hand corner. The perfect amount of curl and dip to get the ball up and over, beyond the despairing dive of Andy Oakes. This was the first of the 12 direct free kicks Henri netted during his Premier League career, more than twice as many as any other gunner. And later in this game, he scored from the penalty spot too, to wrap up three points early in our 2001-2002 double winning campaign. Lucas Podolski, Arsenal, 5-1, West Ham United, January 23, 2013, AFC PL goals in 22nd, minutes 13. On the back of successive league defeats against Manchester City and Chelsea, the Gunners came into this game under a fair amount of pressure, which only increased when West Ham took the lead on 18 minutes. Four minutes later, though, this pile driver from Lukas Podolski swung the momentum back our way and established the platform for a thumping 5-1 home win. Jack Wilshire laid the ball off to the German ten yards outside the penalty area. It sat up nicely for Poldy, who lashed it with his trusty hammer of a left boot inside the far post. The pile driver proved a turning point, and within just over half an hour's playing time of this strike, we were a 5-1 up and firing on all cylinders. 
Kieran Tierney, West Bromwich Albion, Neil 4, Arsenal. January 2nd, 2021. AFCPL goals in 23rd minute 17. The first goal we scored in 2021 was a cracker in the snow at West Brom's Hawthorne Stadium. If anyone was going to excel in the Arctic conditions in the Midlands, it was our fearless Scottish fullback, proudly in short sleeves as the snow fell. After a goalless opening quarter of the game, Tierney took the match by the scruff of the neck, picking up possession on the left wing. He knocked the ball past Darnell Furlong and beat him for pace on the outside. He checked back on his weaker right foot, then broke into the area. After looking up and assessing his options, he decided the best strategy would be to put his laces through the ball and smash it right-footed into the top corner. It set us on the way to a thumping 4-0 win. Mesut Ozil, Arsenal, 1-0, Newcastle United, December 16th, 2017. AFCPL goals in 24th minute 18. A moment of Mesut magic decided our home game with Newcastle in December 2017. Our German playmaker displayed fantastic technique and poise to volley home a looping ball just inside the area. With the ball dropping and the Newcastle defence closing in, he readjusted his body perfectly before smashing home with his left foot, flashing his shot into the top corner beyond the rooted Rob Elliott in the clock-end goal. It was the highlight of a superb display from Ozil, who also created eight chances and completed 90% of his 106 passes. Academy Younger Osman Kamara The Basics Born London, August 6th, 2005 Joined Arsenal 3rd of May 2014 Position Left wing Striker School Bishop Chaloner Squad number 106 Rate yourself out of 100 Pace 93 Dribbling 88 Passing 80 Shooting 86 Defending 64 Physical 74 Interview Samuel Gilbert Photography David Price the past. Favourite Arsenal player of all time. Thierry Henry. Earliest Arsenal memory. Receiving trialist kit from the kit man. Favourite goal I've scored. Against Atletico Madrid in a semi-final. A football memory that makes me smile. Signing for Arsenal. Moment I realised I could make it. Signing my scholarship with Arsenal. One piece of advice I would give my younger self. Always stay consistent. My best subjects in school. P.E. and science. First player who made me fall in love with football. Cristiano Ronaldo. My position growing up. Same, striker and left wing. The coach who has impacted my game most. Adam Birchall. Most clutch moment so far. Scoring a last minute winner against Crystal Palace. Ever since I was young, I've always had a love for football. There was a ball in my house and I always just wanted to be kicking it. My dad noticed this at the time, so he was the one who really got me into football back then. He was a big Manchester United fan, so we started watching football together 
and the love affair started from there. I've always supported Arsenal, just like my mum and sisters, but my dad tried to convince me to support Manchester United. I still remember going down to the park in Mile End where I grew up, either by myself or with friends, to sharpen my technique or play little matches. I started playing for my first ever Sunday league team when I was eight years old. It was called Senrab FC in East London, which is where a few famous players have started off down the years. It was a real eye-opener for me that if I really want it, and if I work hard and sharpen my technique, then I could make a career and a journey out of football. I played with Senrab for two seasons, and then I had a trial at Crystal Palace. That was for seven weeks and was my first time going to an academy environment. It was all new to me, the intensity, the level, and it was seriously different from what I was used to, so it took a while for me to adjust on the trial. I thought I played well, but it just wasn't to be there. Funny story, but I actually met Noah Cooper, fellow first-year scholar, while I was there on trial. About three weeks after I didn't get signed by Palace, I got offered a trial at Arsenal at under-10 level. Obviously, I was over the moon, but also a bit nervous, because it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so I had to stay focused and just take the opportunity. The trial started really well. They put me into matches after the first week, because I was playing so well and scoring a lot of goals. They then extended my trial for six weeks and then signed me off the back of it. Just like meeting Noah when I was at Palace, I came up against Carmani Ryan, also a first-year scholar on my Arsenal trial, when he was at Chelsea. It was such a good feeling when Arsenal signed me, especially because it's my boyhood club. My family were extremely proud of me, and it gave me a real confidence boost. And after that, I was playing really well, because I knew that I was good enough to play for a club academy in London. My time at Hale End was amazing. I've got so many fond memories, but one of the best has to be of going on tour to Spain. We made it to the semi-finals and were playing against Atletico Madrid. I smashed one in top bins inside five minutes and everyone was going crazy. It was amazing, but we all wasted our energy by celebrating and they went and equalised three minutes later. We went from a big high to a real low straight away, but at least we won the game 2-1 after composing ourselves. Josh Nichols and a few of the others were involved in that game actually. Even though football is really competitive, it's still great to be with my teammates from way back and see how the group has grown over the years. I love being able to look back at where we came from how we used to play together when we were younger, and how we've all developed into great football players. I've had a good start to the season so far, but scoring on my under-18s debut has definitely been the highlight of it. I had kept my head down in training, and it was great to see that my coaches had faith in me, and getting a goal on the day was a great feeling. I felt like I had proved myself. Miles Lewis Skelly set me up for my goal that day, and he's probably the teammate who I combine best with on the pitch. He will always suck in the players, and I move in behind the defence to get that one-on-one against the goalkeeper. I'm the youngest in the group right now, so growing up I was normally not the most developed compared to others. That never stopped me though. I just had to battle and find ways to play my football. 
In under-fourteens I was quite short. I wasn't as fast and I wasn't as strong, but I still found a way to be effective on the pitch, like using one-touch passes around the box and my movement, instead of getting into a lot of physical battles. I've still got so much to improve on, and I've been working hard on my game in training, particularly practising my one-on-one attacking. Right now I'm trying to nail the teary finish, where you bend it in. All Arsenal fans know this one. When it comes to the training pitch, it's great to be working with Adam Birchall again. He has been my coach for years. He's a great coach and he knows how to talk to me in different situations and knows what will drive me and what would put me down. He knows the right things to say to me. This club has such a great history of developing young players and seeing Hale End graduates in the first team now is amazing. Just knowing that they grew up in London in tough situations and that there was a way out for them and if you keep working you can get to the top if you believe in yourself and show your quality. It's inspirational. It's so great to be in and around them at London Colney and we all know that it is a great place for our development. I've definitely got ambitions to play international football one day but I'm still a bit torn over which nation I should choose. My parents are from Sierra Leone, and I think playing for them would make my family and parents really proud. But if England come calling, it will be tough to turn that down. Right now, all I'm really focusing on is becoming a reliable teammate, being consistent and showing my qualities. Those are my only real goals for the rest of the season. The present. Favourite rising footballer. Michael Olise at Crystal Palace. Best attributes on the field, finishing and 1v1 attacking. Favourite current Arsenal player, Gabriel Jesus. Hardest working teammate, Kamani Ryan. Most skillful teammate, Ethan Waneri. Favourite training drill, small-sided games. Favourite music artist, Mostak. Strong young gunners are sustainable gunners. Tell us one thing you're doing to help the environment. Using a reusable water bottle. Future. If I could play with anyone. Osmane Dembele. I will be happy with my career if I become the Champion League top goalscorer. One thing I want to add to my game. Winning the ball off the goalkeeper. I would be a better player if I kept the ball more. If I could play in any other country, France, one person I want to meet, Ousmane Dembele. One trophy I would love to win, the Champions League. My dream first team squad number, 11. Arsenal Women Gunners trash champions Lyon. Arsenal produced one of their greatest ever European displays to kick off the new Champions League campaign with a jaw-dropping 5-1 win at Holders Lyon on October 19th. Jonas Eideval sprung something of a surprise before kick-off by resting Viviane Maydema and handing Frieda Manum her first start of the season in the number 10 role. The rest of the lineup was unchanged from the team that had beaten Reading 1-0 the previous Sunday, with Lot Vuben Moy and Steph Catley in the heart of the backline once again. 
We made a confident start against the eight-time champions and were rewarded after just 13 minutes when Little picked out Beth Mead, who drove at the left-back Selma Bacher before lifting a pinpoint cross for Caitlin Ford to fire past Christiane Endler. The hosts improved after going behind, but the Gunners looked dangerous on the break and doubled our advantage on 23 minutes when Stina Blackstenius powered forward on the left and forced Endler into a save that fell for Manham to thread the ball into the bottom corner past two defenders. This was the first time Lyon had trailed by more than one goal in the Champions League since losing 3-1 to eventual winners Duisburg in 2009, and the first time ever at home. But they sparked into life and pulled one back when Melvin Mallard tapped home from close range after Lindsay Horan had hit the crossbar from a corner. We refused panic, though, and actually looked the more likely to score, with me, Dangerous and Laura Weinrother seeing a cross smothered on 38 minutes. And it was the former who restored our two-goal advantage on the stroke of half-time, when she fired a low free kick past Endler. Arsenal continued to dominate after the break, with Endler claiming well from Kate Lee's cross, Manham firing wide and Blackstenius forcing a save on the hour mark. The Gunners were duly rewarded when Wendy Reynard's miskicked clearance fell to Ford, who took the ball down and unleashed a curling shot into the far corner, and again two minutes later when Meade smashed home the fifth. Leon were well beaten, and make no mistake, this was a big win in every sense. Arsenal see off Reading Arsenal kept a record ninth successive Women's Super League clean sheet in the 1-0 win at Reading on Sunday 16th October to notch a third straight win of the season in the Women's Super League. We were missing the injured Leah Williamson and Raphael Souza in defence, but still named a strong starting eleven. and Stina Blackstenius almost gave the visitors the perfect start when she raced clear of the Reading defence in the first minute, only to see her curling effort saved. It was Arsenal who created the next clear-cut opening, 12 minutes in, only for Beth Mead's shot to take a deflection and bobble wide for a corner. But the Gunners were in control, and after Viviane Meademer saw a shot charge down, it was Laura Weinrother's turn to go close. But the Austrian right-back was stretching to reach Caitlin Ford's left-wing cross and could only send the ball back across the goal and past the far post. The pressure was building, however, and the opening goal duly arrived on the half-hour mark. Katie McCabe cut inside from left-back and found Kim Little, who drove forward and nudged the ball forward through a defender's legs to Blackstenius, who this time made sure her shot evaded the diving Jacqueline Burns. Ford went close before half-time, and the Gunners continued to push forward after the break. Meadema sending a snapshot straight at Burns before McCabe and Blackstenius hit the post twice in the space of a minute and Ford hit the side netting. We were then awarded a penalty for a handball in the area, only for little to see her spot kick palmed away. A rare miss from the skipper. Thankfully it didn't prove costly and our 100% record remained intact. 2022-23 Fixtures and Results 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, Women's Super League, 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL, 2-2. 
24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL, 4-0. 28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL, 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL, 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL, 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, UCL, home. 30th October, West Ham United, Women's Super League, home. 6th November, Leicester City, Women's Super League. 20th November, Manchester United, Women's Super League, home. 24th November, Juventus, UCL. 3rd December, Everton, Women's Super League, home. 7th December, Juventus, UCL, home. 10th December, Aston Villa, Women's Super League. 15th December, Lyon, UCL, home. 21st December, FC Zurich, UCL. 15th January, Chelsea, Women's Super League, home. 22nd January, Brighton and Hove Albion, Women's Super League. 5th February, West Ham United, Women's Super League. 12th February, Manchester City, Women's Super League. 5th March, Liverpool, Women's Super League, home. 12th March, Reading, Women's Super League, home. 26th March, Tottenham Hotspur, Women's Super League. 2nd April, Manchester City, Women's Super League, home. 23rd April, Manchester United, Women's Super League. 30th April, Everton, Women's Super League. 7th May, Leicester City, Women's Super League, home. 21st May, Chelsea, Women's Super League. 28th May, Aston Villa, Women's Super League, home. Visitors, Nottingham Forest. 30 years of the Premier League. Games, 210. Wins, 62. Losses, 86. Goals. 237. Goals conceded, 310. Seasons in the Premier League, 6. Highest position, 3rd, 1994-95. Lowest position, 22nd, 1992-93. Finished in the top half, twice. Most appearances, Steve Chettle, 174. Most goals, Brian Roy, 24. Back in the Premier League for the first time this century, Nottingham Forest are determined to stay there, but they visit Emirates Stadium this afternoon at the foot of the table, with nine points from their first 12 matches. Despite the euphoria of a famous 1-0 win at home to Liverpool last Saturday lunchtime at the City Ground, which rekindled memories of the club's glory days under Brian Clough in the late 1970s and early 1980s, when they were champions of England and lifted the European Cup two years running. Forest supporters will be hoping that victory is not a one-off, and that the spirit and endeavour the players demonstrated in that shock win will be on show repeatedly over the coming months, as the club battle to avoid a fourth relegation in their six seasons of Premier League participation. Survival is inevitably the first objective of a newly promoted team, but there was no shortage of ambition from the club's owners during the summer, as they splashed the cash on no fewer than 22 new signings, some from abroad, some from other Premier League sides, and others from the Championship including a couple from Huddersfield Town, the side Forrest defeated 1-0 in the playoff final last May to end their 23-year exile from English football's elite. 
During their time out of the Premier League spotlight, Forrest even had three seasons in League One, but it was at the end of their 14th straight season in the Championship, during which of course they knocked Arsenal out of the FA Cup, that they finally returned to the promised land, a fourth-placed finish preceding an epic penalty shootout win in the playoff semi-final at the City Ground, before that crowning glory at Wembley against Huddersfield. With so many comings and goings during the close season, it was perhaps inevitable that Forrest would struggle initially to make their mark. A 1-0 win against West Ham in their first home game proved to be something of a false dawn for Steve Cooper's new-look side, as they took just three points from their next nine matches. The six defeats including a 4-0 humbling at hitherto winless Leicester City, but then came that win at Liverpool, and suddenly things are looking up. The boss, Steve Cooper, head coach, born 10th of December 1979, Pontypridd, Wales. Previously, England under-15 coach, 2014-2015. to England under-17s, 2015-2019. to Swansea City, 2019-2021. to When he inspired England's youngsters to under-17 World Cup glory five years ago, Steve was largely unknown. The 43-year-old had no playing career to speak of, but made his coaching breakthrough at Liverpool's academy, before joining the FA, where he enjoyed extraordinary success. His first job as a club head coach was with Swansea, who he led into the championship playoff final, only to lose to Brentford. A year later, after transforming Forrest's fortunes following his arrival in September 2021, when the team were bottom of the table, he was back at Wembley, this time as a winner against Huddersfield Town. 1. Between the Posts Dean Henderson, goalkeeper. Born, Whitehaven, 12th of March, 1997. Previously, Manchester United, Stockport, loan. Grimsby, loan. Shrewsbury, loan. Sheffield United, loan. Dean is on loan at Forest for the 2022-2023 season from Manchester United, the club he joined at 14, and for whom he's only ever been a first-team understudy. The 25-year-old has already begun to make the same kind of impact at the city ground as he did during two seasons on loan at Sheffield United, saving penalties from Declan Rice and Harry Kane, and performing heroics in keeping clean sheets in the Reds' last two games, at Brighton, nil-nil away, and at home to Liverpool. 26. The Lynchpin, Scott McKenna, Defender Born, Kirimure, 12th of November, 1996 Previously, Aberdeen Air, loan, Arbroath, loan. One of the few members of last season's promotion-winning side to have stayed and kept his place this term, Scott has played every minute of the Premier League campaign so far and looks to have formed a solid central defensive partnership with former Bournemouth stalwart Steve Cook. The Scotland international, who won his 28th cap last month, has been at Forest since September 2020 and was voted the club's player of the year last season when he missed just one game in the club's promotion-winning campaign. 7. The Flying Fullback Nico Williams, Defender Born, Wrexham, 13th of April 2001 Previously, Liverpool, Fulham, Loan Nico joined Forrest in July for a reported £17 million move from Liverpool, where he'd spent all of his formative years, making 33 first-team appearances before moving on loan to Fulham last January and helping the Cottagers win the championship. A zesty fullback who can play on either flank 
The 21-year-old from Wrexham will be hoping also to make an impact for Wales at the forthcoming World Cup, having started seven of their ten qualifying games, including both playoff wins against Austria and Ukraine. 21. The Engine Room Chiku Kuyate, midfielder Born, Dakar, Senegal, 21st of December 1989 Previously, RWDM Brussels Anderlecht Courtridge, Loan West Ham, Crystal Palace. Another Forest player who appears World Cup bound, Chiku is a likely starter in Qatar for Senegal, the country he's represented for the past decade, accumulating 83 caps and skippering the team in Russia four years ago. The powerful midfielder arrived at the city ground on a two-year contract in August, having spent the previous four seasons at Crystal Palace, for whom he made 129 Premier League appearances exactly the same number as he made for his first English club, West Ham. 10. The record by Morgan Gibbs-White, midfielder Born, Stafford, 27th of January 2000 Previously, Wolves, Swansea, loan Sheffield United, loan A member of the England squad, alongside Arsenal's Emile Smith-Rowe, that Steve Cooper led to the Under-17 World Cup triumph in 2017, Morgan reacquainted himself with his former boss this summer when he joined Forrest from Wolves on a five-year contract for a reported club record fee. Ironically, it was his penalty miss for Sheffield United in the Championship semi-final playoff shootout that clinched Forrest's place at Wembley. Although that came at the end of a stellar season on loan at Bramall Lane, in which he scored a dozen goals. 20. The local hero, Brennan Johnson, forward. Born, Nottingham. 23rd of May 2001. Previously, Lincoln, loan. A graduate of the Forest Academy, Brennan returned from a successful loan at League One Lincoln City to take the championship by storm last season. His skillful wing play supplemented by 16 league goals, plus another two in the playoff semi-final, to help his hometown team win promotion. A former England youth international, he opted to represent Wales at senior level and is now Qatar-bound with 15 caps to his name already. His first top-flight goal came in a one-all draw at Everton in August, which remains Forrest's only one so far on their Premier League travels. 9. The number 9. Teo Awaniyi. Forward. Born. Illerin, Nigeria. 12th of August, 1997. Previously. Liverpool. FSV Frankfurt. Loan. NEC Nijmegen, loan. Muscron, loan. Ghent, loan. Mainz, loan. Union Berlin. Nigerian striker Teo made it three goals in three Premier League starts at the city ground when he clipped home Forest's close-range winner against Liverpool, having previously scored there against West Ham and Fulham. Last Saturday's strike was particularly special as he's a former Liverpool player although he never actually appeared for the first team, instead being farmed out repeatedly on loan before settling at Union Berlin, for whom he scored 20 Bundesliga goals before returning to England with Forrest. 22. The stalwart, Ryan Yates, midfielder. Born, Lincoln, 21st of November, 1997. Previously, Barrow, loan. Shrewsbury, loan. Notts County, loan. Scunthorpe, loan. A Forest player since his early youth, Ryan is now one of the club's longest-serving players and was a key contributor to last season's promotion-winning campaign, 
making more than 50 appearances in all competitions and scoring nine goals. Included in the EFL Championship team of the season, the gritty do-it-all midfielder has started eight of Forrest's last nine Premier League games and was voted man of the match for his inspirational captain's performance last weekend against Liverpool. Scouting report. Words, Michael Cox. Photography, Getty Images. Nottingham Forest started the weekend bottom of the Premier League table, but nevertheless will arrive at the Emirates full of confidence after last weekend's 1-0 victory over Liverpool. It was just their second victory of the campaign after an early season win against Aston Villa, both 1-0, both at home, and both secured by something of a scrappy goal from striker Teo Owenii. In truth, this is a slightly less cultured side than manager Steve Cooper might have envisaged back in the summer. A highly rated coach who generally focuses on technical possession football, Cooper has turned the club's fortunes around by emphasising the importance of deep defending and playing on the break. There's also been a formation change. Having started the campaign with a 3-4-1-2, Cooper is now using a 4-3-3. Forrest's newfound compactness has solved their previous major problem, a susceptibility to long-range shots. While goalkeeper Dean Henderson received most of the blame, Forrest weren't getting tight enough on the edge of the box. Now, they've allowed the opposition more possession but less time in dangerous areas, and Henderson was their standout player in both a plucky 0-0 draw at Brighton and the win over Liverpool. For all their summer investment, Cooper is still relying primarily on centre-backs who played in the Championship last season. Scott McKenna has been the only outfield ever present, and recently has been playing alongside the experienced Steve Cook. Joe Worrell was a regular beforehand, but the switch in formation means one fewer centre-back has been used. Oddly, all three of those centre-backs have managed to collect four bookings this season, already only one game away from suspension. In fact, no club has received more bookings than Forrest in this season's Premier League. There's been plenty of chopping and changing on either side of defence. Nico Williams started the season in good form at right wing-back, but Serge Aurier has been the regular on the right of defence in a four. Williams has switched to the left, where Brazilian international Renan Lodi and Harry Toffolo have also featured this season. The midfield anchorman is Remo Froile, often outstanding in recent seasons for an exciting Atalanta side. Chiku Cuyete, after a couple of poor early season performances in defence, has looked more comfortable in midfield and the security these two provide allows Ryan Yates to push forward. Cooper has taken chances on both Jesse Lingard and Morgan Gibbs-White, two creative dribblers who haven't always lived up to their billing, and generally fields both from the flanks. They have been dangerous on the break, while Gibbs-White's set pieces have been responsible for three goals this term. Awanee's winner against Liverpool surely means he will keep his place here, although Brennan Johnson has run the channels well and can also play from wide, while Emmanuel Dennis enjoyed a fine campaign for Watford and is a useful plan B. League debut. This is Nottingham Forest's first Premier League match at the Emirates. Only two of the previous 40 visiting sides playing their first league game here have won, West Ham in 2007 and Hull in 2008. Forrest did come here for a League Cup game in September 2019, though, losing 5-0. Inside Job David Price 
each programme we catch up with a member of staff to find out more about what makes the club tick behind the scenes. This afternoon we hear from David Price, who is one of our two long-standing club photographers. Pricey, as he's known to everyone here, including the players, talks about how his role has evolved since he joined Arsenal in 2002 and why these days he has to deliver instantly. I've been employed as a club photographer at Arsenal since 2002 and without question the club has become a huge part of my life during that time. Going back 20 years, I think I was quite nervous about taking the role because I'd been at Colour Sport, a sports photo agency, for seven years and had become accustomed to it. But at the same time, I was excited and I knew it was an opportunity I wasn't likely to be offered again. Arsenal were one of Colour Sport's biggest clients, which was helpful because it meant the bedding-in process was easier. I knew Stuart McFarlane, our chief photographer, because he'd previously worked there before being taken in-house here, and I'd learned a lot from my colleagues too, especially Mike King, who was a brilliant photographer and a real inspiration to me. Stuart and Mike have had the biggest influence on my career. Going to Highbury was brilliant. Our office was above the away changing room. You'd walk through the marble halls every day and it always felt special. Even if you'd been doing it for a few years, you'd still get this buzz when you were in the building. Working in that office was really enjoyable. You'd really be able to sense the atmosphere building up before a game. We could smell the onions frying from the burger van outside and hear the police horses going down the street. Highbury was a special place. Looking back, I'm pleased that I joined when I did because experiencing Highbury gave me memories I won't forget. I met friends for life at Highbury too, people like Andy Exley and Josh James, who work in the media department on the programme. In general, the job is very different now in comparison to what it was back then. What's been the biggest change? Definitely the equipment. When I started, we were still shooting on film. There were real limitations with how quickly you could provide pictures to people. Now, we supply images instantly. You used to go to European away matches and come back with a bag full of film. When Thierry Henry scored that goal at the Bernabeu in 2006, he ran straight towards me. I probably didn't send the picture through to anyone until the following morning, which would absolutely not be the case in 2022. When we shoot matches now, you have your laptop next to you, connected to your camera, because a big part of the job is reacting quickly. If we shoot anything good during the game, we'll quickly edit and send them over to the club's social team and to Getty Images as soon as possible. People expect live images, and you need to be able to deliver that. In the Highbury days, we used to run up to the office from Pitchside, and stick a few rolls of film into the developing machine at half-time. That way, when you came back at the end of the game, there would already be four rolls of film waiting for you, allowing you to start editing and scanning. Back then, you'd scan in your best dozen website and send them over to those who needed them. There's a part of me that wishes I'd have been able to shoot at Highbury with the cameras we have now, because they're so much better than they were then. But then, on the other hand, when you look back at the pictures taken on film back then, there's a nice retro feel to them. 
There's a lot more to be across now. People were always interested in the youth teams and in women's football, but not to the extent they are in 2022. The women's game has really evolved. At the start, I wouldn't be at the training ground each week shooting training, but I am now. We try to get to every women's match, and if there's a clash, we send freelancers. Looking back, though, I'm really proud that we've always championed the women's game, which wasn't the case with most clubs. I've travelled all over Europe with the women's team, just like the men, and looking back, I'm really proud to have covered the games in the Champions League win in 2007, for example. I'll never forget that season, just like I'll never forget shooting our win over Lyon last week, which was one of the best performances I've ever seen. We have more commercial work to do, too. There are regular club days where the players have various partner and retail shoots. We'll often be across those. There weren't pre-season tours in the same way there are now either. Stuart would go to Austria with the first team when I started, but now we've been touring around the world for more than a decade, and that's an amazing part of the job. There are a few trips that stand out. Going to Sydney was brilliant, because it was a place I'd never usually visit. Those trips provide you with lots of memorable moments and help you to meet people from around the club. Building relationships is really beneficial for everyone. You can all see what each other do on a daily basis and that helps you to work collaboratively in the future. Tours give you a good insight into other people's working lives. A big part of my role is taking pictures at academy matches and I really enjoy that. It's always nice to see the talent coming through. The obvious example was Jack Wilshire. There was a buzz about him around the training ground. The first time I photographed him was at a reserves match at Underhill. He was only about 15 or 16, and he looked tiny, but you could see straight away how good he was. He wasn't phased by it at all. Nothing was ever going to bother him, and he quickly progressed to the first team. I remember one of Sass Fabregas's first games for the academy. It was against Crawley in the FA Youth Cup, and he scored this lob from really far out. He can't have been older than about 15 at the time. In more recent times, Eddie Nketiah was always an absolute goal machine. We've had a lot of players come through the academy, and it's always exciting to photograph those matches, because you could be watching a future star. To sum up, Arsenal really means everything to me. We're at so many games over the course of the season, and are lucky enough to shoot training too, so you really feel like you're living it. The job can take over your life, but you love doing it, and that makes it special. I wouldn't change it for the world. There are three photographs with this report in the print version of the programme. The captions are, for the main photo, David with Tomasz Rosicki at the Arsenal Foundation Ball in 2016. These days the job involves shooting far more than football matches alone. The smaller photograph has the caption, Ever wondered how we get so close to the action? Now you know. And the last, David's iconic photo of Thierry Henry scoring at Real Madrid in 2006 was shot on film, so fans didn't get to see it until the following day. In 2022, this picture would be travelling around the world on social media in a matter of minutes.
around the academy. Under-21s progress in Papa John's Trophy. The knockout stages of the Papa John's Trophy beckon for our under-21s as we recorded a resilient 3-1 win over Northampton Town to finish second in Group H. It was the League 2 hosts who took an early lead against our young gunners after only eight minutes played at Sixth Field Stadium. Put goals from Zach Awe, Amario Cozier-Dubery and Nathan Butler-Oyadeji clinched an away victory and the next round of the competition. Previously in the Papa John's Trophy, we dispatched Cambridge United with a statement 2-0 win but were unable to repeat the feat against eventual group winners Ipswich Town. The Tractor Boys recorded a 2-0 win over us with Academy Loney, Tyrese John Jules making an appearance. Mehmet Ali's side will be looking to improve upon our record in the competition as last year saw us finish second in our group, progress through rounds two and three only to suffer a narrow defeat to Wigan Athletic in the quarter-final. The Papa John's Trophy features 64 teams from the outset. All 48 clubs from League 1 and 2, as well as 16 academy sides from the Premier League. Reigning champions Rotherham United are unable to defend their title due to their recent promotion to the Championship. Wilshire. They were the better team. Jack Wilshire gave an honest assessment of his under-18 sides 2-2 draw with Brighton and Hove Albion at London Colney on Saturday, October 22nd. After racing into an early league courtesy of a header from striker Omari Benjamin, 16, the visitors restored parity from the spot. Seb Ferdinand, 16, dispatched a spot kick of his own with 20 minutes left to play before Brighton equalised for the second time of the afternoon in stoppage time to take a share of the points at London Colney. After the match, Wilshire was under no illusions that the visitors were the better team of the day, but insisted that the match would act as a good learning experience not only for his players, but also for himself and his staff. I thought they were the better team today, but we showed a lot of resilience to stick in there, he said. Tactically, Brighton caused us problems that we haven't faced so far this season, so it was really good learning for the boys, myself and the staff. We will have to go back and analyse it, but it is a really good experience to play against a team that plays a slightly different formation, to see how fluid a team can be and how you need to adapt a team in-game. Mehmet, we smelt blood. Mehmet Ali's under-21 side continued their impressive start to the season by securing progression through to the knockout stages of the Papa John's Trophy after a 3-1 win over Northampton Town on Tuesday, October 18th. After falling behind inside five minutes, our young charges rallied back to win the match. Centre-back Zach Arway, 18, equalising from a corner before we took the lead through forward Amario Cozier Duvery, 17. Our win and progression to the next round was secured in stoppage time by Nathan Butler Oedeji, 19. After the match, Ali praised the resilience of his side to fight back and capitalise on our League 2 opponent's second half decline. These games are definitely different to our usual Premier League 2 matches, he said. These teams try to bully you, expose your weakness from set pieces and play quite direct football. First half, I thought we could have been braver in possession, but second half, we had a lot of momentum, 
We noticed their performance was declining as the game went on. We smelt blood and went for it. There are lots of positives to these games, and it's all about our boys embracing those opportunities that they get, like playing in front of a crowd, staying calm and showing that they can play in that environment. Louis Skelly and Nwaneri receive England call-ups. Earlier this week, Academy duo Ethan Nwaneri and Miles Louis Skelly were named in England's under-17 squad for the Young Lions UEFA European under-17 championship qualifiers and both played a significant role in a 3-1 win over Lithuania. Louis Skelly played the full 90 minutes and Nwaneri scored just two minutes after coming on as a substitute. This follows our young gunners' impressive appearances for their country during September's international break which saw both of them in the starting eleven as England beat Czech Republic 3-0. England's aim for this qualifying round is to finish in the top two of their four-team group and thus progress to the elite round of qualifying in the spring of next year. The top two seeds from each of the 13 qualifying groups as well as the four third-place sides with the best record will join top overall seeds Netherlands and Spain to battle it out for a place in the finals in Hungary in summer 2023. Following the win over Lithuania, the young Lions face the host Georgia and wrap up their qualifying round against Israel on October 31st. This England under-17 side is managed by a fellow Arsenal Academy graduate, Ryan Gary, who made his only league appearance for us in our 6-1 win against Southampton in 2003 the first match of our Invincibles run. Academy Lone Watch Charlie Patino continued his flying start to life in the championship with Blackpool, as he scored one and assisted another in their 4-2 win over local rivals Preston North End on October 22nd. Patino's second goal for the Seasiders came in the 68th minute, as he unleashed a first-time strike from 25 yards out to put his side 2-1 up. Our England under-20 international was also instrumental in Blackpool's third, as his delightful cross found Jerry Yates ready and waiting in the six-yard box. North of the border, Alex Kirk recorded his first goal for Air United in the Scottish Championship. Our defender headed home from a corner to help secure a draw against Cove Rangers in a game that finished 2-2. Meanwhile, Ryan Alebiosu played 74 minutes of Kilmarnock's 1-0 win over rock-bottom Ross County. Over in the Erster Divisa, Nikolaj Muller assisted Den Bosch's consolation goal in their 3-1 loss at Maastricht. And in La Liga 2, Miguel Aziz came off the bench in the 74th minute during UD Ibiza's 2-1 loss to Levante. Back in England... Tyrese John Jules played most of the match as his side Ipswich Town beat Derby County 1-0 to remain in second spot in League 1. In League 2, keeper Arthur Okonkwo pulled off some penalty heroics to seal Crew Alexandra's 1-1 draw with Doncaster Rovers. Match Action Arsenal vs PSV Eindhoven Arsenal 1, PSV Eindhoven 0 Arsenal scorer, Shaka, 70th minute Thursday, October 20th, 2022, Emirates Stadium Timeline, 
35th minute. Gabrielle goes close from Saka's corner. 53rd minute. Saka has his shot saved when one-on-one with the keeper. 60th minute. Negataya shoots over after Jesus's shot is saved. 70th minute. Xhaka volleys home Tomiyasu's cross for the only goal. Facts. We've qualified from the group stage with two matches to spare. This is only the second time in Europa League history that we've won each of our first four group games. This was our seventh meeting with PSV and our third win. There have been three draws and one defeat. Kieran Tierney. I think we could have had two or three goals and made it a lot more comfortable for us in the last five minutes, but it was a composed performance as well. We never panicked when we didn't score, and we saw it out well, and it was comfortable in the end. Match action. Premier League, Sunday, October 23rd, 2022, 2pm. St Mary's Stadium, Southampton 1, S Armstrong 65, Arsenal 1, Zaka 11. Stats, expected goals, SFC 0.67, AFC 0.99. Possession, SFC 41%, AFC 59%. Total shots, SFC 10, AFC 12. Shots on target, SFC 3, AFC 3. Completed passes, SFC 288, AFC 466. Corners, SFC 9, AFC 3. Tackles 1, SFC 14, AFC 9. Yellow cards, SFC 2, AFC 1. Red cards, SFC 0, AFC 0. Timeline. 9 minutes, Odegaard shoots wide from the edge of the area. 11 minutes, Zaka volleys home, White's cross for the opening goal. 59th minute, Jesus races away one-on-one but his shot is blocked. 65th minute, Armstrong scores the equaliser after a good Southampton move. 81st minute, Odegaard scores, but the ball was out of play from Tierney's cross. Facts. Granite Zaka has four goals so far this season, his joint highest tally in a campaign for Arsenal. This was our first Premier League draw since January, ending a run of 27 games without one. We failed to win a Premier League game in which we opened the scoring for the first time since January 1st, 2022, a run of 18 matches. Gabriel Jesus. It feels like we lost the game. Because of the way we played, the way we created a lot. In the first half, more than in the second, in the second we dropped a level again. Which can happen. It was a little bit similar to what happened against Leeds. We have to realise that, be smart, and see what we're doing wrong. And then improve. For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta, shirt red with white sleeves, shorts white, socks red, 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper, 3. Kieran Tierney, 4. Ben White, 
5. Thomas Partey 6. Gabriel Magalès 7. Bukayo Saka 8. Martin Odegaard 9. Gabriel Jesus 10. Emile Smith-Rowe 11. Gabriel Martinelli 12. William Saliba 14. Edion Kitier 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 21. Fabio Vieira 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga 24. Reese Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 27. Marquinhos 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Alexandra Zinchenko 83. Ethan Nwaneri For Nottingham Forest, head coach Steve Cooper Shirt, navy, shorts, navy, socks, navy 1. Dean Henderson, goalkeeper 2. Julien Biancona 3. Steve Cook 4. Joe Worrell 5. Oromangala 6. Loikem Bisso 7. Neko Williams 8. Jack Colback 9. Taiwo Owaniai 10. Morgan Gibbs-White 11. Jesse Lingard 12. Jordan Smith, goalkeeper 13. Wayne Hennessy, goalkeeper 14. Lewis O'Brien 15. Harry Toffolo 16. Sam Surridge 18. Cafu 19. Musa Niakate 20. Brennan Johnson 21. Checo Kuyati 22. Ryan Yates 23. Remo Frohle 24. Sergio Aurea 25. Emmanuel Dennis 26. Scott McKenna 27. Omar Richards 28. Loic Bade 30. Willy Bowley 32. Renard Lodi 33. Lyle Taylor 36. Dale Taylor 41. Oliver Hammond 46. Zach Abbott 50. Aaron Donnelly Referee Simon Hooper Assistant Referees Adrian Holmes James Mannering Fourth Official Thomas Bramall VAR Official Andre Mariner Additional VAR Official Darren Can. Today's Other Fixture Manchester United vs West Ham United at 4.15pm No Room for Racism The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Get the beers in. Camden Town Brewery, official beer partner of Arsenal FC. Eighteen eighty-six. Adidas. Arsenal. New twenty-two twenty-three third kit. Available now at the Armory and ArsenalDirect.com.
no room for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere, and we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it, and together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more. Hashtag no room for racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Premier League, Arsenal.